Good evening, and welcome to another exciting adventure of Sherlock Holmes on mystery. I'm Vincent Price. Sherlock Holmes is not only the most admired and best documented detective, it is often being claimed that Hamlet, Robinson Crusoe, and Sherlock Holmes are the most universally known fictional characters. Soon after the first of the adventures appeared in the famous Strand magazine in the 1890s, translations became available throughout Europe. In France and Germany, tales of the great detective entertained an early vogue. Germans called these memoirs, which Dr. Watson recorded, Watsonische Chronologie Probleme. <laughs> Today, Conan Doyle's tales of Sherlock Holmes are printed in more than 40 languages. All of the familiar ones, as well as Eskimo, Esperanto, Basuto, Afrikaans, and Shorthand. The uh, Japanese edition of The Hound of the Baskervilles quickly became a collector's item. It's not surprising that at last count, Conan Doyle's estate was drawing royalties from 72 different currencies. Adrian Conan Doyle stated with pride that his father's sales of Sherlock Holmes' books are second only to the Bible. But the history of Holmes in Russia is one of the best illustrations of his popularity. In 1908, a British minister traveling in Russia wrote to the London Times that the peasants, upon recognizing his British accent, kept repeating, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> the only English words they knew. <laughs> Pre-revolutionary army authorities recommended Conan Doyle's stories as good, solid reading for Russian soldiers. Soviet authorities agree with their czarist predecessors, and Russian soldiers today are still given Sherlock Holmes to read in volumes emanating from the Red Army Publishing House. You know, as the Victorian period was fast becoming a new mechanical age, Holmes depended solely on his brain and found little use for the new inventions which were bursting upon the scene almost daily. The telegraph and the telephone were new. People were marveling at the gramophone and the typewriter. The bicycle was perfected during the 1870s and 80s and was hailed as an instrument of new freedom. <laughs> Unfortunately, that new freedom was not shared by everyone, as Holmes is to find out in The Adventures of the Solitary Cyclist. <laughs> Welcome to the LBC Irregulars, a story-by-story -story review of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series produced by Granada Television between 1984 and 1994. I'm your host, Gene Gene, the podcast of Machine Hendrix. Joining me is the David Burke to my Jeremy Brett, Jared, the yard sale artist, Albrecht. How are you, sir? I, I'm okay. I Again, I like what you've done with the garage facilities here at the Long Box Crusade headquarters. It's very nice. Thank, well, it, it'd be better, but the dog keeps getting in the way. Well, he's, he's welcome. The only bad thing that happened today is uh, Pat Sampson, uh, he struck me with the back of his hand. Ooh. And I was like, eh, eh, very gentlemanly. Yeah. That's, I can just see you putting up your dukes right yeah, now. Oh, I, put, <laughs> I had the fancy footwork, but I just thought it was weird that he would do that. Mm. Why don't we see why that may have happened? Because this time out, we do welcome the founder of the Longbox Crusade, 
our very own Inspector Lestrade, Pat G.J. Cristado Sampson. Welcome to the garage, sir. Hello. Hello, Gene. And um, let me tell you my side of the story. Oh, good. I, this happened. I got to hear. <laughs> so the, what, this is episode three. I was invited on episode one, but was told by Jared in order to get there, I had to go down this little alleyway, past this little brook. And then next thing I know, I got told I had to follow these other guys around. And so it was like he was trying to throw me off. So, you know, Two episodes later, here I am finally, and I made it. You, you're setting me up. I drew you a map on the chalkboard, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said go down, go down by Clinton, see what's going on down there. Next thing you know, he starts roping me into some other stuff down well, there. Well, that's, that, that's the trap right there. That's we the trap. go down to the basement. <laughs> okay. I think Jared was trying to keep me away. <laughs> <laughs> eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I deserve the back of Pat's hand. <laughs> Sometimes you do. <laughs> That's going to be a drop-in for another show later on, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pat, besides annoying people like me telling you about the Jeremy Brett series, have you had any information about contact with it before now? I don't think I've had a lot of contact with it. I knew somewhat about it from, was it on like PBS would show it mm -hmm. on the PBS channel, but I would kind of always either miss it or catch a little bit end of it. So it really didn't stick with me too much until as we started getting into our home stuff, it started piquing the more interest. Cool. All right. You've seen the Ron Howard series extensively. You've mm -hmm. seen some of the Jeremy Brett. I'm sure you've seen other iterations of Holmes. Do you have a, a favorite Holmes actor Boy, that's a tough one. Probably Jason the Weasel Skull already. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say because I haven't seen a lot of Brett, about five episodes of him. So I do like him. And then I do like Cumberbatch uh, and what he did. And then, you know, you got the movie Holmes, Robert Perfect. Downey Jr. And so on. And then you got Howard that we're doing. So, ah, boy, it's hard for me to pick a good one because each of them brings different style to each one, which I like. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't have to have a favorite. I was just wondering if sure, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> I love them all. Ah, oh, cop out. Oh, I love them all. <sighs> Strangely enough, my answer to that question has changed since our first episode, Gene. Oh, yeah, has it? Mm -hmm. I've become very fond of those Peter Cushing episodes I found yes. in the uh, mid-60s. I still have to watch those. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, there's different favorites for different people because sure. they all, like you said, they all bring different aspects to the homes. Some embody more of the literary homes. Some are more fanciful. There are plenty of fanciful things around here. It's now time for Gene to give us the recap of our first story. If you're not familiar with the solitary cyclist, you might just get your ending spoiled. So take it away, Gene. In this story, Violet Smith is happy being the governess to Sarah Carruthers. She asks for Holmes's help because an enigmatic cyclist follows her during all of her bike trips between Farnham Station and where she lives. Holmes sends Watson to observe the cyclist's game and to make inquiries about Charlington Hall tenants to whom the cyclist seems connected. 
Dissatisfied with Watson's report, Holmes goes to the Farnham pub and gives a drunk a sound thrashing. He throws hands, in other words. The day after... Sorry, I was like... (laughs) You were muted, that's why. (laughs) The day after, Holmes comes back to Farnham with Watson to protect Violet from being assaulted while her employer's cart takes her to the station. Unfortunately, they arrive too late and find the cart empty. They spot the place where Violet has been abducted. The cyclist catches up with them, and the three men rush to her help. But a defrocked and corrupt priest has already married Woodley, the drunk from earlier, and his captive. Furious, the cyclist, who is in fact Carruthers in disguise, shoots Woodley. The plan was for Woodley to marry Violet in order to get possession of her uncle's fortune, but she rejected him. It's something about a weird mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Carruthers, who had unexpectedly fell in love with Violet, followed her to ensure her protection. Woodley is sentenced to 10 years imprisonment, Carruthers to six months. Violet, whose forced marriage to Woodley is invalid, will marry her fiancé and look after young Sarah until her father is released. All right, let's get into the highs and lows of the episode. So, Pat, you are distinguished guest. Do you have a high, low, or what the in your first round? I'm going to go with a what the on this one. And it's going to be the part where she kind of challenges the cyclist. And, you know, you're in a big open field area and you're on a path. She stops. He stops. And, you know, he's like... I don't know how many feet he was away from her. Got to be like maybe over 20 or so feet, right? Somewhat at a distance. And so he stops, she stops. No one else is around. She turns around, he turns around. You know, it's like mirroring everything that they were doing. (laughs) 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 And then, you know, he runs off or, you know, she starts chasing him and he starts going down. It's like, and then he turns off and hide. I don't, you know, it's like, where did he go and hide on when he turned down that path? But. I was like, okay, how many times are you going to do this before you actually have to go find somebody, uh, you know, that this happening? It was just a, it was just a what the moment for me is like, this is crazy. <laughs> it was quite mysterious. Yes. <laughs> what, you know, he's in the <laughs> beard. And he's the all, yeah. <laughs> and then the part two where she stops on the curve because of the fog, he doesn't come through. He must have stopped then and just figured, okay, she's good. You know, now that you understand what the story was all about and who the cyclist was, we kind of put together. But when I start when when I first was watching it, that just was a what the moment. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, Pat, I was like, why is it called the solitary cyclist when clearly there's two of them the whole time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the cyclist duo just doesn't roll off. The <laughs> <top>. <laughs> it's not as crafty. <laughs> Well, all right, Pat, uh, I can understand that. And Gene, what do you got for your first round? High, low, or what the? Uh, I'm going to go with a high, as is my want. I went back and looked at the original story. And my high is going to be the addition to a little bit of humor in this. The whole experiment that they bookend with is not in the original. Ah, right. So when you're starting, Holmes is about to show Watson, hey, this is going to prove my theory on this murder case mm-hmm. and they get interrupted when Violet comes in and she's very insistent that she be spoken to now. So Holmes puts everything away and then they do the whole mystery and then they come back to it later and they're both really excited and Holmes 
puts the test tube in the beaker and some, and it's, yes, that's, you know, suddenly smoke starts to fill. <laughs> Apparently it's a fairly bad odor. <laughs> Spills the entire room to the point where the fire brigade is called. It's going, yes. <laughs> and then they're leaning out the windows and Watson coughing. Holmes, was that the reaction you wanted? And Holmes like, yes, it is. <laughs> so just that little addition, I thought, added something to it that wasn't in the original story. I want to add to that definitely because as we cover the Ron Howards from 1954, that's definitely something that would happen in those episodes. Mm-hmm. So I felt like maybe it could have possibly been an homage, like we're going to do a little nod to the 54 series because there's a couple episodes where they start with, Holmes working on an experiment, and then you kind of get to see how it, it usually goes weirdly awry. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really quite possibly an homage to the 54 series, and I loved it. Yes. And speaking of what you may love or may not love, do you have a high, low, or what, though, Jared? Oh, there's a lot to like in this episode. So highs are bountiful, but I'm not going to pull a full pat and just start rattling them all off. I'm going to pick a very specific moment. I know you're all thinking about that fist fight. We'll get back to that. I know we will. But (laughs) I'm going to go with, I just was like floored. It was when Woodley basically came to, his whole plan came to fruition. And he was like, ah, she's my wife. And Grothers without missing a beat goes, no, man, she's your widow. Blam. Lays that fool out. I was like, what? The Hades, man. I want to say that when I first started watching these, I was with Jason. I think he was at my place in the summer. And I want to say we were both just quite amusingly flabbergasted by that moment. So I'm just going to give it that very specific moment of timing. Uh, I just thought it was really a, really a great moment. Yeah, that was delivered really, really well. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, we'll go back to the top of the order. Pat, what do you got, my friend? I'm going to go with a high around uh, this time. And it has to do, and it was mentioned before, just the back and forth between Holmes and Watson, uh, especially when he sends Watson out there. And Watson, it looks like he's doing, you know, he did what he needed to do, but oh no, you're on the wrong side. You should have been over this way and this and that, and just tears him apart. Brutal. Yeah. And then Watson's walking out like a, like, you know, like a dog with the tail between his legs. And then he, really, Holmes? Was I that bad? Well, yes, you were. Um, I'm like, yeah, that kind of home style I like and just the the character actment between the two. And, you know, I was like, well, I thought he was, he did okay. He figured out what was going on and, you know, had some good stuff. But he's like, Holmes, like, no, I I knew that already. Or you didn't do this or you stopped there. And (laughs) Sherlock Holmes is master of many things. Tact is not among them. Yeah. 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 There was one thing. I don't know if we're going to do another round or not. So we'll probably give you the typical Pat. Okay, because I do have a few. I do. Man. I do have a few more on here. So, Gene, get while the getting's good. Before yes. Pat, <laughs> see if we can get it off my list, Gene. <laughs> well, we're going to go back to what you had already mentioned, and that's the fifty cuffs. Oh yeah, <laughs> that because I had mentioned before in the Naval Treaty how the slow mo fight silhouette thing was kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, this was just wonderful. This yes. was oh. Woodley backhands Holmes, texts him off guard, and says, oh, it's on now. (laughs) And Holmes is doing the old-timey, moving your fists all all over the place, jumping back and forth, and just jab, jab, hook, 
then Woodley goes down like three or four times. <laughs> I, I like it when the crowd cheers because he does a little foot dance or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd goes, woo. Ugly Holmes calls his shot. He just yeah. like, all right, takes his jacket off, tells everybody, okay, everybody's my witness. <laughs> Dude struck me first. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a great scene. I love the way, because Brett looks like he's having a ball doing it too. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell this is before his health issues were catching up to him and he was still feeling spry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is definitely a high for me for this episode. Absolutely. Oh, the fisticuffs is great. For my last round, before we take the lid off of Pat, I will go with the scene where Woodley attempts to, listen to my air quotes, woo, (laughs) and I can see his wooing skills aren't so great, woo, Violet. I mean, first of all, this guy... Where do we start? Okay, so he, he takes his opportunity when Carruthers leaves, and he's just like basically like forcing himself, like, yeah, oh, give me a kiss and all this stuff. And she's like, no, no, thank you. And oh, the more uh, lady says no, she means yes. I'm like, oh my God, this guy, he needs to be dead by the end of this episode. Careful what you wish for. But what got me was like for just a minute there, he swung into Normalsville. And he was like, you know, I don't know much about being a gentleman, but I feel like you could teach me. And he seemed sincere. And I was like, oh, you're doing good. Would you good? And then he went right back, right, right back to just being a turd. So, yeah, he needed to both be punched in the face and shot and, you know, check and check. Yeah. Anytime you have a character say, the more she fights, the more I like it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Mm-mm, bad guy. No. Bad guy. <laughs> it's funny because at the beginning, when she goes to the lawyer's office and Woodley and Carruthers are there, you just see Woodley. And my wife pipes up, oh, he's creepy, isn't he? I just look at her like, yeah, he's kind of supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. That, that's in my notes. Woodley is creepy. Yeah, he's <laughs> all the way creepy. Right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. All the way creepy. Has no idea how to handle himself around the ladies. I, I want to know how, how he got that far in life. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, hey, how has he not been shot already? <laughs> yeah, really. I guess South, South Africa is a little more lenient that I, way. Apparently, because, yeah, he's a turd. But mm-hmm. speaking of which, Pat, you get to uncork. <laughs> <laughs> uncork on us, man. What do you got since we're done with the official rounds? I just got a, f- a few more things on this. Um, I'll score them on a scale of one to ten of how cool I think they are. Okay. From watching the... Ron Howard Holmes, he did a lot of disguises. And mm-hmm. so when we get to the part where obviously Watson didn't do a good job, so Holmes <laughs> has to show up, they cut right to the bar and you see this old guy with a beard, great beard coming out and he's like getting drunk and he's kind of coming on. I'm like, I start looking at that. I'm like, did he get dressed up to like find they out? They duped you, know, you again. <laughs> huh? They duped you again, didn't they? Yeah, they duped me. <laughs> I thought I was Holmes, like all dressed up and, you know, going to try to, you know, blend in with the natives and get some uh, information. Because he's done that and and will do that in a few more episodes. And I will say the the makeup work when he goes in disguise in the Brett series is phenomenal. And you said you watched the first five. I watched the first five. Well, yeah. I remember he in the first five, he disguised himself as like the redheaded, like stable guy. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, he did. Or mm-hmm. care for guy. There's a word for it, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but that one I groom. Yeah, yeah, groom. Groom. Yeah. Yeah. That one uh, I kind of knew. Yeah, they, they do a better job with it. But yeah, uh, now they duped you again, apparently, in this episode. Yeah, because, you know, the guy comes out and he's all and he kind of 
scraggly looking and all that, and he gets on. I'm just thinking he's playing his part and was going to go somewhere. All of a sudden, he goes off, and then Holmes comes walking in. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> looking for too much Dupage yeah, or Anthony yeah. Dupage. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been, I got my dupe radar on. I don't, don't want to get duped again. But yeah, so I thought that, you know, that had me fooled for a second there. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, but it was pretty good. Since this is a pat double dupe, I'll score that comment a solid 10. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, and then my last thing is, we already know that towards the end, I really thought it was Carruthers. Once you start feeling, hearing his backstory or he's talking and all that, you're like, well, maybe it's him trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it comes out to find out that it is. But that's all I have in my notes. Not a lot. No, we right. cover it. Oh, um, right. Gene took my creepy. <laughs> Well, technically my wife did, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that discussion done, overall, what did we think of the episode? Well, we just happen to have a rating system for that on a scale of one to five pipes, where five is you loved it. It solved your mystery. Four, it was really good. Three, it was all right. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It threw you off of Reichenbach Falls. How would you rate this story, Pat? I'm going to give it a four. I thought it was really good. It was moving on up because it duped me. And I'm like, oh, if you dupe me, you got me. But then once I kind of figured out who the cyclist was and what was kind of happening, I kind of came back down. And I like one that's really going to suspend me or make me really think more about what the mystery is. So it's close. And I definitely like the seeing the old period of pieces here. And I do really think they do a really good job in these to get the period piece right. And just, you know, seeing the old bicycles, seeing the old town, seeing the old rooms and all that. I like that. Yeah. Throughout this whole series, they do a great job on the set decoration. I agree with you. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm right there with you on the four. The story itself, I would give a three. But with the additions that they got, with the humor, bookends, the fisticuffs and everything, that that bumped it up to a four for me. Not quite at a five yet, but it is definitely a solid four. Jared, how about yourself? If mysterious musical genius Joe November was here, he'd be inclined to go with a 4.5 on this one. I really liked it, but I think I'm ultimately just going to join the pack. I'll say it's a really strong four. Liked it a lot for the same reasons that Gene mentioned. The humor moments, especially with Watson's failure. Holmes's non-sugar-coated response to that. And then, of course, the fisticuffs. And then, of course, that great moment of, no, man, you're her widow. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, strong four. Good episode. And with those scores in the bag, let's move on to our second feature. Good evening and welcome to Mystery. I'm Vincent Price. Tonight, The Crooked Man, another engrossing adventure of the incomparable Sherlock Holmes. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in writing the 56 short stories and four novels that make up the Holmes canon, often left out details or skipped whole periods in the detective's life. And while this may have perplexed some readers, it acted as an inspiration to others. 
There are certain unofficial rules which are obeyed by many who write about Holmes. Some who believe Holmes and Watson to be much more real than their creator never even mention Conan Doyle himself, but maintain a somewhat high-camp intellectual joke by confusing fact and fiction as much as possible. Dorothy L. Sayers, herself an avowed member of the Holmesian cult, announced that this exercise must be played as solemnly as a country cricket match at Lord's. The slightest touch of extravagance or burlesque ruins the atmosphere. Nowhere are there more societies devoted to Holmes than in the United States. It was here in 1934 that the very first Sherlockian club, the Baker Street Irregulars, was founded in New York City. Originally limited to 60 members, the number of Sherlock Holmes stories, the club still meets, still offers its first toast to Irene Adler, and still publishes papers of Watsonian scholarship, most of which have become collector's items. Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Harry Truman were both secret members while they were in the White House. Perhaps the most famous or infamous member of the Irregulars was Rex Stout. During one meeting, he refused to drink the toast to Dr. Watson's wife. When questioned about this, Stout announced that through careful examination of the original text, he had determined that Watson was actually a woman. <laughs> Thereafter, so it is said, Stout continued to attend meetings, but always with a bodyguard. The speckled band of Boston, the scandalous bohemians of Akron, the dancing men of Providence. Many of these scion societies are open only to men. Not surprisingly, then, was the formation of the all-woman adventuresses of Sherlock Holmes in New York, and what is in undoubtedly the most exclusive of all clubs, the female one-member solitary cyclist of Washington, D.C. <laughs> Hobby? Cult? Addiction? Well, who can say what motivates these Holmes enthusiasts? The great detective himself said, art in the blood is liable to take the strangest forms. And sometimes when the, shall we say, excesses of Watsonian scholarship create mental gymnastics so brilliant as to seem totally exhausting, some fans might also recall what Holmes called that supreme gift of the art, the knowledge of when to stop. Okay, let's bring Gene back to center stage to give us the recap of The Crooked Man. Again, if you're not familiar with this story, we're probably going to spoil it for you. Following a violent argument, Colonel Barkley's lifeless body is found close to his unconscious wife, Nancy. She is suspected of murdering her husband. Major Murphy, Barkley's second-in-command, urges Holmes and Watson to investigate Barkley's death. He tells Holmes that Nancy Barkley, while she lived in India, was in love with Corporal Henry Wood. But when he was reported missing, she married Barkley, whose jealousy spoiled her life. At Barclay's house, Holmes hears that on the evening of the tragedy, 
Nancy came back from the mission where she was giving out clothes to the less fortunate, deeply distressed. Holmes concludes that a third person was present. Soon he finds human footprints as well as an animal's tracks. Then he goes with Watson to the mission, where Anne Morrison reports that on the fatal night, her friend Nancy had been terribly upset by her encounter with a poor cripple. They find him in the regimental canteen, where he performs tricks with his mongoose. As soon as his act is over, the cripple tells Holmes and Watson the dreadful story of his life. He is, in fact, Henry Wood. His regiment, being surrounded by rebels, Wood volunteered for going to the nearest general and asking for help. His rival, Barkley, gave him deceptive directions, which led him right into the rebels' hands. Cruelly treated for many years, Wood became a hideously deformed cripple. Back in England, he meets Nancy again at the mission, follows her, witnesses her quarrel with Barkley, and, in order to protect her, enters by the window. Struck by his horrifying appearance, the colonel dies of an epileptic fit. The forensic pathologist's statement and Wood's testimony will undoubtedly clear Nancy of the murder charge. Well done, Gene. And now it is time for some highs and lows as we take a look at the crooked man. Pat, you got some crooked comments for round one. Crooked comments. Well, I do. I, I thought. It was, I don't know what the, just a grin on the guy's face when you see him in the beginning where it's like, ah, or like that. Or <laughs> How is it again? I know it's an audio podcast. It's an audio file. So you just imagine yourself like this. And <laughs> the Whatever face, face you show, have to make to make that dude, sound. That, that you got. Yeah, that's the guy's face. So I thought that was pretty good. Just like, well, you know, what's going on here? Just the creepiness of that as well, too. So. I like the way the story played out. There were some longer parts in it, but overall, I think it made sense to the whole story that was happening. So that's my, what the high right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Jared? Well, Pat, I kind of feel you on this one. I'm literally at this point, one episode away from finishing this entire series. And I got to say, there are definitely some that when I watch them, I go, well, that could have been 30 minutes. <laughs> And there are definitely, they do some movie-length ones that I go, that could have been a regular length show. <laughs> but this one, I, I do think they did pad it out a bit to get to their full, I think, 50-minute mark. Mm -hmm. And so I did feel a little bit of the drag. You know, at, at the point where they were like, it's a mongoose, and he was enticed by this bird. I'm like, what's, what's that have that? to do with what's it? What's that to do with anything? Yeah. I mean, I guess that links it to the guy so they know who was there. But at yeah. that point, I was just like, I don't care anymore about the box and the bird. We've all figured out what happened from the guy's backstory. Yeah. So it didn't really have the punch that I think it should have had. Minor nitpick for, I guess, a low in my first round. But I'll have better things to say soon, I assure you. Gene, lift us up. All right. Well, if you thought this dragged, don't read the original story. <laughs> Gene did the homework, everybody. Well, here's the thing. In the original story... The first half is Holmes telling Watson, I'm on this case. Here's what I found out so far, wow. including going to the regiment, learning all this backstory and everything. Then the next, I want to say, quarter is Holmes and Watson going to the house and the mission, dealing with all that. And then the last quarter is 
you being told the story of India. <laughs> so oh. it's, except for a little bit in there, the whole thing is, I'm going to sit here and tell you what I found out, but you're not going to experience it. Oh. And yeah. So this, the way they structured it with Watson being the impetus, hey, there's a military thing going on. We got to help them out because he's the ex-army guy. So he's getting involved in it a lot more. It makes more sense. This is also, I believe that the original story was in the casebook. So it's when they're not actually living in the same rooms anymore. So it's a, yeah, Holmes visiting Watson after like not seeing him for three weeks or something like that. So it's the interaction here is a lot better. You are along with them as they are figuring stuff out, not home saying, well, you know, I went here and I figured it out this way. You know, it's better the way it's written here. That's that's not saying that it couldn't be edited down a bit, but it's a lot better than the original story. I understood. Thanks for doing the homework, Gene. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that is interesting I, to hear how, you know, how the written was and seeing how they massaged yeah. it a little bit for the mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah, you'd have to, you know, based yeah. on Gene's testimony, which I'm prepared to accept as true. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, let's bring it back to you for the second round. Kind of speaking about th- that, I did enjoy the mystery on this one, how it was building, who was it, what happened, and then how it all kind of unfolds here is you don't know what happens behind the locked doors because, one, she's out and they can't get in, so they have to figure out how it all came down. I liked how they interviewed all the kind of staff and they give you kind of bits and pieces of it, but then how he finally got that lady to break and tell her the story. You know, the big break was at the mission, and so that's where he got the big clue of kind of what was going on and who it was. I liked that mystery that was being told. And then it was like the whole backstory of the guy. I was like, come on, I don't need to know all this stuff. Just get to it. I was there. I got captured. He sent me on the runway, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you know, a few years later, I come out, show up, and <laughs> gave you the Jason version. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got you here. So sit down and get comfortable. I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. But what I really enjoyed at the end, you find out, well, what did they mean by David? And I was thinking the same thing earlier on, the minute this guy's in love with this girl and there's another person there, so he's going to send this soldier out to the front lines or someone out to front lines like David did with Uriah, sending him out to the front lines and, you know, hey, let's try to get rid of this guy so I can step in and take the place here. So I, I like that sense and then how Holmes you know, well, it should be in Samuel 1 or Samuel 2. And, oh, you looked it up already, Holmes, because <laughs> you could find that the, the receipt that was there and all yeah, that. Yeah, all these little deduction skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elementary, I, I, my dear Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, this story reminds me of another story I've read. And that's what it was. <laughs> it was the Bible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Jared. I promised you hi. And mine is going to be Fiona Shaw. It's in this episode, and she's an actress that I am fond of. She played Anne Morrison in this episode. I find her to be a really charming character actress who shows up in a lot of things. I first encountered her in Three Men and a Little Lady, where I believe she had like a crush on Tom Selleck. 
that was uh, quite amusing. But since then, she's been in probably most famously the Harry Potter films. Strangely enough, she is in the new Enola Holmes show. She has an appearance in that as well. So uh, Fiona Shaw, just one of those character actresses that I see pop up from time to time. That it's always a pleasure to see her. So that was kind of nice. Who does she play in Harry Potter? Mrs. Dursley. Harry's. Bam. <laughs> Mrs. Oh. Dursley, his evil aunt. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I had to look that up. I didn't know that. I recognized her. I'm like. She's in everything. Yes. I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) She's just one of those actresses who just, uh, looking at her IMDb page right now, she has 79 credits. She's been in 79 different things as of now on IMDb. And I just think she's charming and wonderful. So Hmm. happy to see her. Yes. Dean. I got to say, I liked how they handled the flashbacks because it was like a parallel story going on. You had a completely different set of actors. Mm-hmm. You had a different mood to it because it was in, in India. So different lighting, different way things were happening. So I thought that was done really, really well. Maybe a little bit less of that would have been okay, but they matched up the actors to you know the old and the young actors yeah. for the same character. So you could tell just looking at, oh, yeah, that's this guy or that's her. Mm-hmm. So it, I think they did a really good job that way. I agree. All right. Anyone else have anything more to discuss on the Crooked Man? Uh-huh. Hmm, you know, at this one, I really did. <laughs> um, this was one that I've, I've actually watched a couple different times because it was late at night. And so I fell asleep. So I'm like, oh, man, I missed it. So I had to go back again <laughs> and kind of rewatch it again. But. That's where I think they could have got to a point that, you know, kind of sped this up a little bit and got to the story a little, the ending a little bit quicker. Could have been um, a 30-minute episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely could agree with that because if I fell asleep and like, man, this thing's dragging out. And I fall asleep and I wake up and, oh, I missed it. So I got to go back and, oh, man, I, mean, I fell asleep again because it was so dragging out. <laughs> oh, no. <God>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where the cyclist had me, I was, you know, I watched it. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch, you know, half an hour of it and then I'll catch it again. No, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. I think this is one where they suffer a little bit from the we must adapt it as written a little too much. Yeah. Like I said, they switch around how it was told, but much like in the Naval Treaty, where Holmes was going on about the rose and presence mm-hmm. of God and everything. It's, you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> that can be cut out. Yes. It's in the original text, but you don't need it there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. He got captured. He got tortured. He found out why he got captured. Fast forward. <laughs> yep. I don't need to know how he escaped. He's there. He obviously escaped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could just say, I guess I escaped. Or, yeah. You know. yeah, I believe him. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. right. Circumstances were such, I escaped, and then I was a beggar for 30 years. Okay, fine. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got a question. You guys mentioned that Jeremy Brett starts not to feel good, or, you know, when does that happen? Because in these, like the last two, he's kind of looked kind of off to me. I don't know if it's just the makeup, because they, admit they portray him as kind of palish and you know, like he doesn't get any sun because he's always in, in the home or stuff like that. Well, I've actually done a lot of research on this, so I'll take this one, James. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Jeremy Brett had a tumultuous life. He had 
I say substance abuse problems. Uh, I don't think he was like on the crack cocaine or anything, but like prescription pill issues. Sure. Okay. He had a heart problem already. He had an, an enlarged heart mm-hmm. and he, these things just, just weighed on him and he had mental breaks. He just had a difficult life. life. Right. And you will see that as I have, like I said, finishing the series, he will get bigger. Then he'll get smaller again, <laughs> get bigger again. Because some of the medications he's on made him retain water weight and all this stuff. And, okay. But yeah, I don't think that he was ever truly healthy uh, uh, at any point until his unfortunate demise. Hmm. I can see the difference in Howard and Brett. You know, Howard's more lively and Brett's more just kind of sound. Yeah, Howard's that sort of more, you know, TV, 1954, family friendly, get everybody around the tube, have a good time. And yeah, yeah Brett's more sullen and roller coastery. He can be quite fun sometimes, but yeah, he, he has maniac moments, but he also has the lows that Holmes had. So yeah, it, depending on how you look at it, it works really well or yeah. it's a little off putting. Brett was close to the source material, perhaps too close with the drugs. <laughs> and the other thing too, is I like how they show his dabbling in the drugs you know, they don't show him using it, but they show it you know, like him either putting it away or doing something like that. So you, you kind of know something's not right with him. Yep. That's that's Holmes. If he can't keep his brain occupied with a case, he'll run to he the needle. Hmm. All right. So overall, what did we think of this episode? To remind you, on our pipe scale, we have five. You loved it. Solved your mystery. Four. It was really good. Three. It was all right. Two. You didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It threw you off of Reichenbach Falls. So, starting in with our special guest, Pat, how would you rate this episode? Well, if Joe November was here, I'd see it at a three and a half, 3.5. Because, like I said, it did get me in the right feel, and there was some good mystery there. It's just, I think the timing, the length of it all, was a little too long for me. So, three, I'm going to go with the three. Jared. I'm going to land squarely on a three. Yep. It's, uh, having seen them all, this is a very middle-of-the-roader for me. And Gene? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, as far as the kind of story this is, I know for a fact that there is an episode later on that does it much, much better. That has something to do with the number four, but that's not what I'm rating this. I'm rating this one number three. So we're we're all together, and it's three's company here. Come on, knock on 221 beats door. <laughs> if it's had to kiss it with those crazy eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. That's good times. But before we ride off in our handsome cab for this episode, let's thank the Crusaders Club members who help pay the rent here at 221B. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They get access to special long box episodes. They get voting to help determine show content. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf, Auburn Elvis, Blasted or Stashit, Braxton Underwood, Captain Entropy, Clinton Robinson, Dave Collins, Gary Viola, 
Gerald Green, Jason Keen, Jeremy L., Jim Jarman, Joe Thomas, John Watson, Jose Poyo, Josh Strickland, Maxwell Traver, Michael Wagner, Miranda W., MVP Captivating Kathy Bright, Paul Hicks, P.D. Devins, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Spidey67, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Tony Pennington, and the Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. If your recent edition will add you soon, but no problem, you can reach out to us via the emails. If you write to contact at longboxcrusade.com, we'll fix it. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and checking out Longbox Crusade. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Back to Eugene. And that will wrap it up for these two stories. We'd love to hear from you if you're familiar with either the originals, the Granada adaptions, or any other version that is out there. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. And as Jared mentioned, you can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. If you want to chat with me personally, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. What about you, Gene? Well, you can find me on basically all social media platforms as The Hammer Strikes. Pat, how about yourself? Well, Gene, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And be sure to join us next quarter when we take a look at episode six. The Speckled Band, and Episode 7, The Blue Carbuncle. Ooh. Don't mix those two up. No. One of them will bite you. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one will ruin your Christmas. <laughs> Honk. <laughs> <laughs> Axel. Oh, he's doing good. He's he's laying over there sleeping. Okay, so shh, don't wake him up because he will become part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to be great. Time. We get proud of the Baskervilles. <laughs> <laughs> he's about the right size, actually. <laughs> Pat was probably watching the second episode when we called him, so he still doesn't know how it ended. <laughs> no, I was just eating, starting to eat. I had made supper, and then we were sitting down to eat, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> uh oh! <laughs> let me play the role of Holmes. That was just that was just awful. He just just awful. <laughs> what was it really that terrible? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Oh, that was hilarious. But we'll talk more about that. Uh, you did a fine job. You know, it, as far as in the Jason sphere, not mm. bad at all. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a aptly named John Watson. I think you did that wrong, John Watson. You did it wrong. You should have been looking on the other side of it. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 it's getting cut out. Yeah.